0: Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and today is all about open water fishing tips. This week, we've done some diving into content on our YouTube channel and picked out a few segments from various videos in our fishing playlist that we thought would be very helpful in the upcoming months. There is so much great content on our Shields Outdoors YouTube channel, so if you're not already a subscriber, make sure to head to our channel, hit that subscribe button, so you can be notified of new videos. We have a couple good ones in the hopper, so make sure to stay tuned for those. To kick things off, we're going to start with a clip from Jason Mitchell where he covers the best jig weights for walleye fishing.
2: Hey, Jason Mitchell here with Shields. You know, One thing that has been pounded into walleye anglers heads for years is just to use the lightest jig that you can feel, the lightest jig that you can get away with when you're trying to catch walleye. And I tell you what, early in the year, especially on river systems, but even on natural lakes and reservoirs, I like to uh, follow. I like to follow a different principle, in the sense that I'll use the heaviest jig I can get away with to find fish, and then once I know where the fish are, once I find the fish and really have things narrowed down, then I'll use the lightest jig that I can get away with to catch fish. And that's two different ways of approaching jig fishing, in the sense that, imagine if you're in a river system and say you're using a quarter ounce jig and you've got moderate flow, and you're anticipating the fish to be in, say, seven to 10 feet of water. You, you You cast up into three feet of water. If there's fish up in three feet of water, You know, you need that fish to tell you. And also, if you bring that jig back into, say, 11, 12, 13 feet of water and the water's faster, you also need to be able to figure that out as well. And so with a lighter jig, if you're using the lightest jig you can possibly use, what happens is you don't get lucky in the sense that a lot of times you're not near the bottom and you're getting blown up off the bottom, especially if the current's strong. And so use the heaviest jig that you can get away with to find fish is to cover water and, and break down the pattern each day. Once you get things really dialed in, that's when, I, that's when a lot of times I'll get real specific where I'll be targeting one depth, one current speed, get a lot more exact and a lot more precise, you know, once you, especially once you start wearing out your welcome and you catch the easy fish. But uh, tell you what, once I started fishing that way, I just felt like I was a lot more efficient at finding fish And a lot of times on river systems, reservoirs, natural lakes, especially early in the year when the fish are moving a lot, finding fish is the name of the game. Once you find fish, you can catch them doing a lot of different things. So when you're trying to find fish, don't be afraid to go a little bigger, a little heavier, a little faster even. And use the heaviest jig that you can get away with. And I guarantee you're going to be able to cover a lot wider spectrum of water, a lot wider spectrum of current velocity you're going to get luckier as far as finding fish and once you find them you can make your adjustment but with fishing most of the time it's all about finding the fish.
1: Great information there from Jason Mitchell on jig weights with the main takeaway being make sure you're using a jig that's heavy enough for that constant bottom contact and then fine-tune your presentation from there to really dial in that presentation. Next up, we have Johnny Candle and Jason Mitchell covering some shore fishing tactics.
0: You know, I well, grew up shore fishing watch. a lot as a kid. Yeah, hard to beat a sinker and a hook and a bucket of bait. I mean, that's that's what I did a lot too. A uh, lot of little streams, rivers, shorelines. I mean, I think Jason and I both, when you're younger and you don't have someone to take you fishing, you got on your bike and you pedaled down to the closest mud hole that might have had a fish in it. And... That's how I fished. It was either a bobber with a hook and a split shot, or a, a sinker on the bottom with a some kind of snell and and a and a hook and a piece of bait. And boy, it, it still works today. I watch hundreds and hundreds of walleyes get caught off the shoreline at Devil's Lake every spring, either throwing a bobber out from the shore or some kind of live bait rig sitting on the bottom and letting the bait wiggle around until a fish comes by. It's what is it uh, the kiss method method right? Keep it simple, stupid, and mm-hmm. it. it effective from the bank for sure
2: yeah and and the other thing with with shore fish i mean there's some really good shore fishing too so don't discount or don't think oh i don't have an opportunity to catch nice fish because i don't have a boat because there's some tremendous fishing opportunities like like especially in the spring and in the fall you know like around some of the causeways it doesn't matter if you're in northeastern south dakota even uh northern iowa uh i mean there's places all through minnesota where if you have water moving back and forth between two systems uh a little bit of current you know those shiners pulling there especially in the fall. And you know, if you take like an egg sinker, and I like to put it like a shorter snell, like say a foot and a half snell, and then like a, a floating jig head, and uh, you can use either a leech or a minnow. And that's one way you can also throw jigs with soft plastics. I mean, there's times where we'd throw like floating raptors, number 11s, husky jerks, things like that, and catch. I mean, some of the first big walleye I ever caught by myself were from shore fishing off of uh, Sakakawea by Snake Creek, where they are letting water out of Lake Audubon in the fall. I would go down there and spend the night down there and cast all night you know and and uh caught some really big fish that way so it's um, yeah it brings back a lot of good memories
1: that clip on shore fishing goes to show you that you don't necessarily need an eighty thousand dollar boat and all the electronics to go out and catch fish especially early spring it's also a great way to get the kids out or a new fisherman involved in the sport next up we have another tip from jason on a springtime classic and that's crappie fishing.
2: You know, spring crappie fishing is just a tradition, just kind of a rite of passage each springtime. One of my favorite things to do, and you know, historically you know i can't tell you how many crappies have been just caught in just a simple setup just a clip-on fill bobber right down to just a small either 32nd ounce or even a 16 ounce jig and uh you know just getting up into shallow water here up in these harbors and shallow bays that warm up quick where you have vegetation where these fish will move up and spawn but one of my favorite things to do just to find fish and cover water is a lot of times what i'll do is instead of using a minnow i use a soft plastic and i'll get a lot more aggressive as far as just trying to find fish here And it doesn't take much i mean basically any type of tail is going to work. And I like using either dark colors or white, purple, black, white, pink, or probably some of my overall favorite colors. I just thread on that plastic so it just hangs off, just a simple setup. And what I like to do with this is cast it out and just reel it slowly back to the and just twitch it, stop it. I can cover a lot of water that way. Another thing I like to do is just throw them out behind the boat and just drag them behind the boat real slow. But this kind of enables you to cover a little bit more water. The plastic's a lot more durable. And so you can make a lot of casts, catch a lot of fish on one tail. And what I find is that most days, they're gonna hit this is just as good as a minnow. But the beauty of this is you can cover so much more water. And so a lot of times catching crappie is all about finding them. And so use soft plastics, you know, it just to eliminate a lot of water you know speed up fish through spots fast there's a school of crappies they're gonna they're gonna slow you down and let you know and so don't be afraid to fish aggressively at least you try to find them once you find them then you can either anchor or you know use your spot lock or put your talons down to try to catch these fish you know and then you can use minnows when you start to wear out your welcome but to find fish speed up through spots cast and reel twitch move it cover some water drag them behind the boat just to eliminate those spots where there are no crappies
1: Jason brings up a few great points in that segment, and the main thing to keep in mind is don't get complacent if you're not catching fish. Crappie are generally in schools this time of year, so if you catch one, there's likely to be a bunch more nearby. Location trumps presentation, so cover water and find the fish. Next up, we're going to hear a segment from elite series angler Josh Douglas on a lure that's an oldie but a goodie, and that's the hair jig. Now he's going to be talking primarily about smallmouth bass fishing, but this tactic can also be applied to walleye fishing and be very effective.
2: So, Josh, with that hair jig, what size are you looking for, and then what's what's the technique involved with the hair jig?
3: Yeah, we're talking marabou yes, jig, sir. like for smallmouth, right? Yep. yep. Um, yeah, I'm using a fighter fly. We we we, you know, Seth Fighter taught me that years ago. That's his little deal. He was taught by the Canadians uh, you know, how to make it, have some of his Canadian buddies up there. And then, uh, you know, we took it in in Minnesota and I was always into tying. So, so I got pretty good at tying. That one to me is perfect. It has, you know, now, now they're made outcast tackle makes them. So that, that's the one that I use every now, every year, every spring, I still sit down and tie myself up a couple, just to say that I, just to say that I did it, but the production ones are are just as good you you know the key the key to hair is there's there's two things and um actually just did a video for this there's there's two reasons why you want hair one because it's cold water you know metal when when all else fails when soft plastic you know soft plastic back way back in the day it was metal and it was hair is what what people used to go to go bass fishing then soft plastics and jigs and stuff like that started started to come along and they were definitely better most times of the year but when it's super cold sometimes hair and metal will still get those those bites so right away when the ice comes out I like to throw a hair jig and a lot of the reasons why is because when the ice breaks you're gonna have like a you know, those fish, first of all, those fish are, are like Pat saying, they're they're getting to fifteen foot and, and shallower. And that's where I want to target a small mall too. And the pre-spawn is definitely five to fifteen feet, somewhere in that. You know, eight to twelve is like really good. That's and, and that's really good for a hair jig because again, those fish can see amazingly well. So a ton, I mean, that thing's wet, it's like this small, mm-hmm. you know, in the water column. I think a lot of people Originally think we're fishing it on the bottom, and that's not necessarily the case. And that's the key because the rocks, when the ice goes out, grows like a weird mold or not mold, mm. uh, like a algae uh, on top. Moss, yeah, and you you can't fish it. You can't throw a net rig on it. It'll just get full of stuff. So, but you still got to at the same time. I can't be reeling something too fast. They're not in the mood, like he was saying. You got to have the right cadence for the right time of year. They're not going to kick their tail too far to chase something down. So I need something that's going to just kind of float through the water real slow stay just off the bottom and uh and not get fouled up and the hair jig gets that secondly when they go to post spawn uh, it's a good bait too during the spawn like i said to peg fish off just flinging around at light spots at rocks stuff like that when the females are moving up and they're in their little packs a great bait to get them and generally, you gotta, or you always have to have clear water. I've never seen it work in any kind of too dainty, too dirty or stained water. It's always gotta be really clean. So uh, the second thing is gonna be reverse is the uh, mayfly hatch when after the spawn. A lot of times on these lakes up north, we're gonna have a mayfly hatch, which is more so around the end of June, 4th of July for us uh, up north. And you wouldn't believe. That a small malt that eats crawdads every single day of its life, and then those little mayflies, they start hatching from the bottom, they float up, and they just gorge themselves on them. And it's always the big ones. The small ones don't even really know yet, they're still eating crawdads and stuff. It's the big ones that have great eyesight that know that that they can eat up. So I'll either catch them. You can either watch them come up and eat like the casings off the top, and you can target them that way. Or you just hit, you know, get. I like to get in that twelve foot range and keep my hair jig at roughly around six foot uh, post spawn, and just move around those same breaks that Pat was talking about. Where they want to pull up, they're going to use those same ways to move back out, and and that hair jig will definitely get get the bites. And what the other reason I like it is I would just won't ever lose them. Like they they just they kill it, they eat it, and and the biggest key is like a seven six medium light action rod mm. and the lightest braid you can find so like i use eight pound is usually what i use eight pound power pro uh and a little bit shorter leader like an eight pound fluorocarbon carbon leader uh, but you don't want it too long because it you know you want to be able to really whip that little that little hair jig as far as you can and that's the key because everything's so clean the water's so clean you got to make super big casts with that little tiny hair jig And uh, But yeah, definitely once 4th of July comes for most everywhere, I I think the hair jig kind of, that bite dies.
1: Our last clip here is a portion of last year's virtual fish series with Jason Mitchell and Johnny Candle. And they talk about a few different tactics here. But the one thing to keep in mind is don't be afraid to try new things. And here's that clip now.
2: What technique did you guys think was nuts, but it actually worked? Without giving away your secret. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i don't know the first one that comes to my mind was uh when we first started fishing jigging wraps in open water right uh i i got sucked in that uh, the jigging wraps or the horizontal gliding jigging baits that we all fished under the ice forever mm-hmm. uh and then i watch a guy win eighty thousand dollars of which a lot of it was mine in a tournament right <laughs> and you're like wait a second i better look at this a little bit harder right uh uh you know, and it taught me a valuable lesson that we can't pigeonhole any technique, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it's drop shotting, which is a bass fishing technique, or, or throwing suspending jerk baits that, again, most people look at as a bass fishing technique. But I've caught hundreds and hundreds of walleyes on both of those techniques. So uh, I would say no matter what the technique, uh, no matter how crazy you think it is, if it imitates a bait fish, then any game fish will eat it Mm -hmm. and you got to put walleye right in that category so yeah there's lots of crazy things i've seen catch them and i'm sure jason has some great uh guide stories he he loves to tell those guide stories about the craziest way
2: to catch a walleye i'm sure he could keep us busy all night Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i mean i think for me you know i grew up um you know, you look back like in the 80s, for example, you know, at least, you know, out here is, you know, a lot of back trolling, you know, in drift socks, you know, the trolling motors weren't as good then and and it was all, you know, a lot of it was using live bait rigs where you had a Lindy rig, you know, you had the bail open finger on the line if you just crawling across structure really slow. And then, uh, you know, and then you obviously using bottom bouncers, but uh, it was a lot of light bait type stuff. And then we didn't have line counters. We didn't have braided line or anything like that. So we did a lot of trolling with cranks, but it was let out the lure until it hit the bottom. It was pounding the bottom too hard. You reeled it up, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, we didn't have the contour maps and things like that. And, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know at the time. But I remember uh, for myself, you know, you know, like using jigs and minnows in the spring. You know whether it's on a river on a lake or whatever and then when some of the soft plastics kind of came into the scene and the gulp and stuff like that you know and I thought well why would a walleye ever hit that when minnows taste better they smell better you know and obviously if you have that in your head you'll find examples to prove it because there's times where live bait works better than than an artificial or soft plastic what have you you know but uh I remember, you know, just getting over that hurdle, you know, say it was, you know, probably 25 years ago now, but I remember that was a, a, a one that I probably pushed back and resisted for a long time, probably way too long. Um, you know, I just thought you had to have live bait, you know, and even uh, I remember as a guide one time running out of leeches and putting gulp on a plain snell behind a bottom bouncer and catching fish like that, thinking, oh my what has the world come to? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen, you know. But then when you're guiding, you see all kinds of stuff. You I learned to keep my mouth shut. Don't when Somebody pulls something out of their tackle. You always catch them out. you know, in Canada on this thing. Well, we're not in Canada. Keep your mouth shut because they're going to put it on. They're going to catch fish if you say anything. And, and what a great learning experience. I, I, I can't tell you how many things that I learned from people that didn't listen, that you know, did something completely off the wall that I would have never done in my boat almost against my will, like they're resisting me here or whatever. And, and we'll talk about a great lesson, you know? So yeah, there's always something to learn with fishing.
1: You just heard a few segments from various YouTube videos that can be found on our Shields Outdoors YouTube channel. Like I said before, there's all sorts of valuable information on there. So make sure to check it out and subscribe. We have a link to the fishing playlist in the description of this podcast. If you need any fishing gear or lures we talked about in this podcast, make sure to head to your local Shields store and talk with one of our experts or visit us online at shields.com. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening, wish you best of luck on the water this spring, and see you next time.